Um, because I'll be honest, I genuinely hope that this message is a blessing to, to you if you're here tonight. Um, but I'll be honest, in all reality, what I'm going to do tonight is really directed toward Barbara and Anthony. And so, I, again, I hope that, that this message is helpful, and I think it will be, um, but I'm going to make a lot of application that leads more toward the life stage that they're getting ready to go into. And so we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Uh, we had the paintings come up, some of you saw them this morning, uh, they came to church, and, and it was a blessing to see them uh, throughout this weekend, and, and uh, we got to see Blake, which was even better than seeing Nate and Kayla, honestly. Um, but uh, we, we got to spend some time with Blake, and it's been, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, last night, though, we were we were st- we stayed up a little while, and Blake got to stay up a bit past our bedtime. And Blake was getting over a little bit of a cold uh, over the past week, and so uh, they had been giving her some medicine uh, to help her to get through this this cold that she was going through. And so Nate sat down at the table with her last night, and he said, "Okay, Blake, it's time to take her medicine." And you would have thought that like Nate just told her she had cancer. I mean, like she just started freaking out, like like crying, "No, I don't want to take my medicine." And so like Nate's like like, "No, we're gonna take the medicine. Come on!" Like sits her down at the table, and he literally like takes a spoon, like. A regular dinner spoon, and pours some some of this liquid in there. And honestly, I don't really blame Blake because it kind of looked like motor oil. I'm not really sure what he was giving her, but it was it did not look good. And so he he goes to give it to her, and she's taking like little teeny tiny sips of it. Like like each teeny tiny sip is followed up by like three gulps of water. And every single time that she takes a takes a drink, she's like, No, I don't want any more. I don't want any more. She's like pushing the spoon away. And Nate's like, No, like this is gonna help you. It's gonna make you feel better. It's good for you. It's been this medicine has been helping her. It's been helping her to get better. But but she was resistant towards the thing that had been healing her. And I think it's really interesting that so often when we get into this young adult stage, we begin to get resistant to the things that, that have been healing us. You know, both of you, you grew up in a Christian home. Right? You, 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 Barbara, you grew up with a pastor as a dad. Anthony, you grew up with a deacon as your dad. And, and, and you've grown up with good families. You've missed very few church services, for to be honest. Since I've been here, you both have been at pretty much every single youth activity. I have a list of teenagers that I go through on my iPad every week, and the ones toward the top are the ones that, hey, I know that they're going to be there, and you two are on the top of that list. Like, I know you're going to be there at every single thing. You've, you've had really good families. And you've had things that, that have been helpful, and, and they've been helpful toward your spiritual healing. But if I'm honest with you, as you get into this next stage of your life, what's going to happen is you're going to be tempted to begin to resist the things that have been helpful and healing. And this is proven even statistically. A study showed that that about 70% of young adults who who attended church throughout their teenage years, uh, between the ages of 18 and 22, take at least a year off of going to church. And only about half of them ever come back, if that. And the majority of them are never faithful again. So we have this epidemic 
amongst young adults, which is this life stage that you're getting ready to enter into, this epidemic of unfaithfulness. As you enter into this next life stage, you're going to be really tempted to be unfaithful. And that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight from, Gen- from, from Deuteronomy chapter 4. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Israel is getting ready to enter into a new life stage. What's happening in the book of Deuteronomy is what, what, what they, they, have, they have entered into the last part of their 40 years of wandering into the desert. So, so before 40 years, before this, uh, Israel is, uh, a walk, they're, they're about to go into the promised land. They doubted God, and so God said, nope, you're not going to go into the promised land. You're, you're going to spend 40 years wandering in the desert so that everyone that's above the age of 20 passes away, and then you can go into the promised land. And Deuteronomy is now at the tail end of that 40 years. And so in in the book of Deuteronomy, they've come to the Jordan River. They're getting ready to enter into the promised land. They're getting ready to enter into this this new life stage. And really what the book of Deuteronomy is, is a series of of sermons by Moses trying to encourage the people of Israel about what they need to do when they enter into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, specifically, what, what Moses is talking about here is he's pleading with the nation of Israel that as they enter into the promised land, to be faithful. Not to begin to worship the gods of Canaan, but to continue to worship the God that they've known their whole life. Not to forget the God that had brought them to this point. And so tonight, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the beginning of chapter 4, and we're going to see a couple of truths about remaining faithful to God in this next life stage that you're going to go into. And the first truth that Moses points out is that unfaithfulness will not work out well for you. Look at verse number 3. It says, Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peror, For all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God destroyed them from among you, but they, but ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are all, are are alive, every one of you, this day. So the first thing Moses does in this plead of faithfulness that that he's bringing to, to the nation of Israel is he reminds Israel of what happens when you're unfaithful to God. And he basically tells them, hey, it doesn't work out well for you. Unfaithfulness does not work out well. And he brings them back to Numbers chapter 25. And in Numbers chapter 25, this really interesting thing happens. The the men of Israel began to have relationships with the women of Moab. And and so the Moabites began to bring the Israeli men to their gods. Because who you're around is going to be, you're going to worship the same gods of the people that you spend time with. And so they're, they're, now the, these men of Israel, they're worshiping Baal. Baal of Peor. They're worshiping another god. And Israel finds themselves in this, in this place of unfaithfulness. They're not being faithful to the God who they've known their whole life. And so what God does is he commands Moses to get rid of those men. Getting the sin out of the camp, if you will. And all of those men who were unfaithful to God ended up perishing. Why? Because unfaithfulness doesn't work out well for you. It never does, and it never wills. The ones that were faithful, though, in verse number 4, they lived. 
because unfaithfulness doesn't work out well. So now we fast forward to Deuteronomy chapter 4. And, and Moses is pleading with the nation of Israel, and he's pleading with them to look back at what's happened in their past. Because he's saying, hey, do you remember what happened at Baal Peor? Do, do you remember what happened back there? Do you remember what happened the last time that you were unfaithful? Do you remember what happened when you walked away from God? Do you remember what happened? They, they perished. Unfaithfulness didn't work out well for them. And so he's saying, as you walk into Canaan, you're going to be really tempted to worship the gods of Canaan. You're going to be really, really tempted to worship the gods of the people who are already in the promised land. You're going to be really tempted to conform to, to what they want you to do. And he's saying, no, listen, remember what happens when you're unfaithful. He's pleading with them to remember the dangers of unfaithfulness. And that's what I'm doing with both of you tonight to remember the dangers of unfaithfulness. Because being unfaithful to God doesn't, doesn't work out well for you. As you graduate, you're going to enter into a world that does not worship your God. They could care less about your God. And it's going to be really tempting to walk away from what you've known to worship other gods that look more fun. But I promise you, that doesn't end well. When I graduated from high school, I had a lot of, I had a lot of friends. I had a class of, of about 18 people graduated from a Christian school. And, uh, and when I first went to Bible college, there was an aspect of me that really envied them, in a sense. Because they got to stay home. They got to be with their family. They got, to, they got to spend time with the people that they loved. And I moved from Maryland to California, like literally one liberal state to the other. And, it was, and I was as far away from home as I could possibly get. I didn't know hardly anybody there. And for the first couple months of college, I was like, man, I just want to go back home. I don't want to be here. And then I would see my friends on, on Instagram, and they look like they're having a blast. And all my friends from high school, they're all still hanging out together. They're with each other. And here I am in California. I envied them. But you know, now, now I wouldn't trade my life for theirs in a million years. Because I have a job that I love. I've gotten to pastor people like you two. Why? Because faithfulness works out well. We have to be faithful. The end of faithfulness is always better than the end of unfaithfulness. I can't tell you the amount of temptation that you're going to face to be unfaithful because I face the temptation to be unfaithful. Every single... Your parents face the temptation to be unfaithful. We all do. Why? Because we live in a world that doesn't like our God. But I promise you this, that the happiest place you will ever be is wherever you're being faithful to God, wherever that is. If that's at Bible college, great. That's going to be the happiest place that you can be. It might not be the easiest place, but it's going to be the happiest place. It's going to be the most fulfilling. David is the greatest example of this because David experienced the pleasures of unfaithfulness. But he also experienced the joy of faithfulness. And here's what he says in, in, in Psalms 
84.1. He says, For a day in the courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. David says, look, I've experienced the pleasures of unfaithfulness and I've experienced the joy of faithfulness. And I'm going to tell you this right now, that I would rather be insignificant and be close to my God than experience the pleasures of unfaithfulness. Because it's always more satisfying to be close to God. So Moses, first, he pleads with Israel, and he pleads them to remember that unfaithfulness doesn't work out well. And I want you to remember that, that unfaithfulness will not work out well as you enter into this next stage. But then he says something else. He says that faithfulness will set you apart. Look at verse number five. It says, Behold, I have taught you the statutes and judgments, even the Lord my God, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Moses is saying, I've taught you what faithfulness looks like. And hey, I'm going to tell you that both of you have been taught what faithfulness looks like. You've been taught what faithfulness looks like by your parents. You've been taught what faithfulness looks like by the good influences in your life. You've both been taught what faithfulness looks like. That's what Moses is saying. Hey, I've taught you what faithfulness looks like. And and then he goes on. In verse number 6, he says this. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all the statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What Moses says is, Hey, I've taught you what faithfulness looks like. Now do it. Be faithful. Don't walk away from your God. Don't walk away from the God that you know. Be faithful to the God of your youth. And he says, If you will do that, then the other nations are going to look at you and be like, man, there's something different about Israel. Because Israel's got power that we don't have. Israel's got something that that we don't have. Israel has blessings that we don't have. We want what Israel has. And that's the exact same thing if you're faithful that people are going to say about you. They're going to say, man, I I want the attitude that, that Barbara has. Like, I want the satisfaction that she has in life. I I want the discipline that Anthony has. I I want those things. Because of the world we live in, your faithfulness is going to make you stand out like crazy. And I'm not saying that like it's going to make you stand out in a weird way. Now, it might. But what I'm saying is as you're faithful to God, it's going to make you stand out in a very good way. People are going to see things about you that they like. Like when you're faithful to God, you're going to do the best that you can at work. That's practical, but it's true. When you're faithful to God, you're going to be honest with people. And people like that. When you're faithful to God, you're going to respect others. When you're faithful to God, you're going to be given opportunities. It's going to happen. Because faithfulness will set you apart. Jesus says this in Matthew 5.16. He says, Let your light so shine before men that that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That they might see your good works. That's how we're to shine. That people would see our good works. And if you're faithful, that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to see your good works and they're going to glorify your Father. Because they're going to come to you and they're going to say, Hey, what's different about you? What do you have that I don't? 
The people around you, listen, the people around you, they might not respect your faith. The people around you might not respect your God, but they're going to respect the results of your faith. If you're faithful to God, they're going to respect that. I promise you. They might not respect your faith, but they'll respect what your faith produces. And sometimes difficulties will come up because of faithfulness. I'm not saying that's never true. I'm not here to tell you that that there won't be times that faithfulness lands you in a difficult position, but also faithfulness will make you stand out from the rest. And God will bless faithfulness. So unfaithfulness doesn't work out well. Faithfulness will set you apart. But here's where I want to really camp out. Because we need to protect ourselves from unfaithfulness. Look what he says in verse number 9. Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Moses said to take heed to yourself. Here's what he says in the beginning of verse number, take heed to yourself and keep thy soul. So the words take heed and keep in the Hebrew, they're the same word. And really what it means is to protect or guard something. That's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you need to protect yourself and specifically you need to protect your soul. Your, your inner man. He's saying you need to be really careful about what you put into your heart. You need to guard your heart. It's really similar to what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter twenty or Proverbs four verse twenty three. He says, "Keep thy heart or guard thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Everything you do flows from your heart, and so we need to be really careful about the stuff that we put in it. We need to protect." Our heart. Why? Because we protect things that are of value. And your heart is valuable. That's what God wants. God wants your heart, and He wants you to protect it. And how were they to guard their heart? Well, here's what it says. Or why were they to guard their heart? Here's what it says. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. What, what, what Moses is saying here is, hey, I don't want you to forget the things that you've seen in the past. Because if you're not careful about the things that you put in your heart, your heart is going to forget the things that you've seen. Now, what's Moses talking about here? What, what doesn't he want them to forget? Let's look down at the next verse. Verse number 10, especially, so here's what I don't want you to forget. Specifically, especially, here's what I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to forget the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb. He says, I don't want you to forget Horeb. Now, that's a really interesting thing to to, to say, but Horeb is a really special place for Israel. What Horeb was, it's another name for Mount Sinai. And as, Mo, and as Moses brings them out of Egypt, Israel walks to Mount Sinai. They get to Mount Sinai, and this is where God gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them the law. Uh, he, he, there's, a, there's a cloud of darkness over the mountain. The, the, the mountain catches fire because of God's power. It's just this really amazing scene of God's power. 
and the really, like the really specific question that we need to ask is, what does God do at Mount Sinai? And what he does at Mount Sinai is he shows his power, yeah, but what he does is he brings Israel into relationship with himself through the law. And what Moses is saying is, hey, I don't want you to forget when God brought you into a relationship with himself. I don't want you to forget about that because, listen, if you forget Horeb, if you forget the mountain, the time where God showed his power, if you forget about how you've been brought into a relationship with God, then you will not be faithful to him. You won't. It's impossible. We, you have to remember how you've been brought into a relationship with God. You know, there's another time in history that God ex- expressed his power and also brought mankind into relationship with himself. About 2,000 years ago. On a cross, God gave his only son. He, he died a brutal death. He was crucified. And on that cross, what, what God was doing was he was explaining that, hey, I've got the power over sin. I've got, and, and then he rose again from the, the, the grave, showing that he had power over death. But what else was he doing? He was bringing us into relationship with himself. And just like Moses is pleading with Israel not to forget Horeb, I'm pleading with you, listen, don't forget the cross. Because if you forget how you've been brought into a relationship with God, you will not be faithful to Him. It's impossible. You won't be faithful to a God that you don't think has done anything for you. So we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts by being careful about the things that we put in them. We need to guard our hearts by being careful what we listen to, what we watch the people that we're friends with. We need to be really careful to guard our hearts because what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to distract us with money. He wants to distract us with possessions. Anything that you could put before God, he wants to distract you with those things so that you forget Horeb. So we need to be really careful. We need to guard our hearts. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He he wants to destroy you. And so we need to be really careful about the things that we put in our mind. But it's really interesting that Moses tells them how they're to guard their hearts. And he doesn't say to be careful about the things that they, they watch. He doesn't say to be careful about the things that they listen to. He doesn't say to be careful about the people that they spend time with. Now, all those things are important. I just named them because I really believe that who you spend time with, the things that you watch and the things that you listen to, are very, very important to who you become. That's not what Moses tells them. Let's look back at what he says. Here's what he says in verse number 9. He says, "...only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen." And lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. And here's what he says. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. He says, hey, I want you to be faithful. I want you to guard your heart. And the way that I want you to guard your heart is by teaching Horeb to your sons. 
Moses says, hey, I want you to guard your heart from unfaithfulness. And here's how I want you to do it. I want you to tell the children about my faithfulness to you. Listen, a great way to guard your heart from unfaithfulness is to never stop telling the story of God's faithfulness. Because listen, the more that you communicate the story of the cross, the more your life reflects the story of Jesus, the more faithful you will be to Him. So that's my challenge to both of you tonight. That you be faithful. That you guard your heart from unfaithfulness. But the way you guard your heart from unfaithfulness is never stop telling the story of God's faithfulness. Keep telling the story about how He's provided for you. Keep telling the story about how He died for you to save you from your sins. Tell the story about how He called you to go to Bible college. Tell the story about the times that that He spoke into your heart in a message. Like, tell people. Because as you communicate that message, you will find your heart being drawn closer and closer to your Savior. So in conclusion, as you enter into this new stage of life that God has for you, I want you to remember that unfaithfulness doesn't work out well. I want you to remember that faithfulness will set you apart. And I want you to remember that the greatest way to protect yourself from unfaithfulness is to share the story of God's faithfulness. Father, thank you for Anthony.